You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast, with host Adam Evans, within and without. Welcome. Well, Seema, thank you for taking the time to come on today and have this chat. And um, I typically ask people to briefly introduce themselves at the beginning of the episode, just so anyone who's listening can familiarize themselves with what you do, what you're involved in. But I do include all your links and all your information in the description of the episode. So if anyone's listening or watching and wants to delve deeper into what Insema is all about, feel free to have a look at that. But uh, just to kick things off, do you mind just uh, introducing yourself briefly? Yeah. So I'm an athlete and a coach. I'm a pro-natural bodybuilder. I'm an elite level powerlifter. And I focus on and I do jujitsu now. I'm a purple belt in jujitsu and I compete there. I also co-host along with Mark Bell and Andrew Zaragoza here on the Mark Bell's Power Project. Um, and uh, I have a very inconsistent podcast called We Don't Know Yet. So, yeah. Very cool. So when did you start that podcast? We Don't Know Yet. Okay. Or Mark Bell's, or Mark Bell's Power Project. Oh, wh- you said like, you started we- your own podcast, is that what you said? Oh, yeah. We've been doing that for like, that's been like a year and some change. So maybe a year and three or four months. But like the, the other co-host of that podcast, um, we've been best friends since we were six years old. And we kind of have the same or very similar outlooks on life. So we keep each other like moving in terms of our own development. Like he's ran on that. But we're very inconsistent because like he works in the Bay. I work here. So whenever we get a chance to get together, we'll pop out an episode. Yeah, that's cool. And what do you typically talk about? What do you cover? Like self-development, um, growth in terms of like men, because like what I think is really, I'm really lucky in a sense that first off, we've known each other since we were really young and we've grown into the men and who we are, because that means that we can talk about things that I guess men don't typically talk about with each other, you know, or men aren't comfortable about talking about with each other, whether it be as far as relationships, as far as growth, just like personal things. Um, and, uh, it's, I, I, I have him and then there's another, another friend of ours that we kind of talk about these things with. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, I've just been really lucky to have a friend that like at that level. Cause I don't think a lot of men really do have that. Like they, they, you know, they may have friends, but like those friends, they can't really, you know, they, they, they can't talk about their actual problems with because of how it's typically looked at to talk about, you know, some of your issues as a dude, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah dudes are kind of funny that way it's like hey man i'm really feeling upset i got this issue and other dudes are just like all right <laughs> i don't know what to do with that man so you're gonna you're gonna solve that for yourself right like i got i got i got the same thing with that i've basically known a bunch of my buddies for many many years since high school and um even still we don't really like communicate much in that sense like my mm-hmm. wife she kind of makes fun of us because she always asks me to ask them questions that I just can't be bothered to even, like, I don't care, you know, like I care and I care about them, but you know, I, I know they'll sort it out. So yeah. we don't get into all the nitty gritty stuff. So that's good that you have that relationship with, with your buddy. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been doing Mark Bell's uh, power cast or power project? Yeah. So Mark Bell's power project has been since I believe February, March, so six months. So yeah. No, seven months now, seven months now. So it's been great, man. It's been, um, it's been making me continue to like evolve because we, all, we have a lot of awesome guests on. Um, and like with those guests comes a lot of new information, some things that I may be digging in on, some things that I really don't know much about. And it, it, like, it allows me to kind of get that firsthand information, kind of sift through it, figure out what I can dig in on. Because when I look at information, I like to 
I like to understand the big concepts or the big important things. You know, there's, there's a lot of great information of what's shared here, but there's a, there's a lot of things that really doesn't matter. A lot of things that isn't necessarily something that can be applied to myself or applied to people I work with or just it, most people don't really care about. So it kind of allows me to get that bullet information, dig in on it and learn more. Cause I think that's, that's one of the big things that I really, um, I really like to do. I really like to just continue figuring out new things to that, that can help optimize that can help, you know, optimize us as people, workers, just everything. That's what I like to do. And that's one thing that the podcast has helped me to do too, because like, I feel like a little bit before this, I was like that, but I was also stagnating. I was getting a little bit comfortable in terms of what I already knew. Um, I wasn't like, I wasn't going at, I guess, uh, learning new things with the vigor that I had before. But doing this and seeing all the amazing people that come on and, and learning from them has kind of brought that back at a, at a higher level. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Hmm, very cool. You, you kind of answered my question there was what your, what your biggest takeaway is. So I guess you mm -hmm. just continue to expand and learn and grow and then find new things you're interested in through the guests that come on. So what's your, what's your been your favorite guest so far that's, uh, that's been on the podcast? Um, that, that's actually a, that's a toughie. Um, the guest we just had on, his name's Charlie. Well, he goes by Charlie Rocket. I guess I'm going to do maybe top two off the top of my head, but I know there's someone who's going to be above this list. Stan Efferding's really dope, but I think people really already know who Stan is. But Charlie, um, he goes, his, his name's Charlie Jabley, but he goes by Charlie Rocket now. And before he used to be known as CEO Charlie. He was a guy that was like a, a music mogul dude. He was a two chains manager. And um, in, in his past, he kind of, he, he was really overweight and he wasn't really happy with what he was doing in his life. Um, even though he was making millions of dollars, he was managing really popular artists. And he had, I guess, a life, he even won a Grammy. He had a life that everybody thought, um, you know, everybody thought would be great on the outside, but he wasn't enjoying his life because Apparently, since he, he was a child, he always wanted to be an athlete, but he was quickly shifted out of that because like, you know, he was a bigger kid and nobody really saw that in him. And it, it just wasn't something that people thought were feasible, uh, wasn't reasonable or realistic. So um, after he had all this success, he just kind of transformed himself and kind of he, what was really interesting about him is I mean, you hear a lot about like. You hear a lot about the law of attraction from people. And at this point in this day and age, in terms of self-development, when a lot of people hear that idea of the law of attraction, immediately like your BS alarm goes off. You know, people start to think it's bullshit. It's not real. That's just some Oprah Winfrey, you know, <laughs> BS type of stuff. Um, and I don't think it's that way. I think it's very real. But the, the, the interesting things that he did was like he had something he called a quantum notebook and he would put very specific things and very specific things that he wanted to do in there. Like he wanted to be a Nike athlete and this is a 200 and, uh, and uh, maybe 70 pound guy or he was 5'8 at the time. He was, he was overweight, but he wants to be a Nike athlete. Um, and he put that in there and then he said, okay, I need to make a mini commercial. I need someone who does all these five things. And he moved to LA. So he was like, I don't know how I'm going to find someone that does that. But he wrote it down. And then literally like the next day, someone walks into the apartment where he's roommates with. And that is the person that helped him have had all those qualifications to help him make that type of commercial. And then it's like all these other things, you know, that he wanted to happen, that he wrote down, that he put in there, that he was really like going for all these 
crazy things happened. He ended up becoming a Nike-sponsored athlete. He ended up doing a commercial with Serena Williams and LeBron James. And easily someone could listen to that and be like, oh, he's definitely lying. But at the same time, I've heard that from so many other people that like hearing that again and be able to talk to him about that just kind of, I guess it cemented that a little bit for me, you know, in terms of that is very possible, you know, to put those things out there to work. You obviously you got to work towards them. You know, you can't just put something out and be like, magically, it's going to come to me. But, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll activate something. It'll, it'll put it out there for you and you'll be able to get there. So I really liked that whole episode. I don't want to tell Charlie's whole story. I think that people should just go follow him and check that episode out because he's an awesome dude. Um, but that was great. And then um, the next episode that I think I really enjoyed was, it, it, was, it was more of like, um, uh, I guess more of a science episode, but it was with, um, what's his name? He wrote The Oxygen Advantage. Ah, I feel so bad for not remembering his name, but just, oh, no, I don't remember. So the book is The Oxygen Advantage, okay? If you type that in, you'll come across his name. We did an episode with him, and it was just a really cool episode. We delved in on sleep and breathing. Um, and a lot of things that I think athletes, whether they be lifters, whether they be individuals that like do martial arts and have a lot of breathing focus, um, I think a lot of athletes will get a lot from that episode in terms of like optimizing their sleep, optimizing their breathing, um, because that can play a big role, a massive, massive, massive role in terms of like your your athletic performance. I think it's just one of those things that like, you know, we focus on our nutrition, we focus on uh, you know, we focus on our training volume and all of these, these things, but a few things that we kind of leave out of the way are, are little habits of getting, you know, optimal sleep, breathing well, even, we didn't talk about this, but even getting enough light exposure, which is huge, uh, but that episode is really dope. So there's, there's so many, and I, I feel like there's one that is going to creep in that I'm like, oh shit, that was great too, but you know, that's what's off the top of my head right now. Yeah, yeah. No, it sounds great. And, and I get what you're saying with the law of attraction stuff. And I find a lot of people get caught up with creating a vision board of some sort, whatever it is they do, and they just stare at it on a wall. And like, maybe they're just thinking, I'm going to do it. The Ferrari's coming, you know, but it's just, it's not happening, right? So it's like, you need to set your intention just that way, write it down, whatever it is you may, you may do, you may create a song if you got to, I don't know, whatever your creative expression is, but then work towards that every single day, right? think about it, but then actually take the necessary steps, you know, and, and make that come to fruition. So I assume that's what he did, but if he didn't, then that's some crazy fucking thing. Like someone just walked through the door, like, Hey, you want to be a Nike thing, right? Like I'm going to sign you up. No, he, that's the thing. You know, he was taking small actions and actions towards these things, but those actions he was taking led to the exact thing that he mm. wanted to happen. You know what I mean? So it's not like he was just sitting around and thinking and yeah it came yeah, but yeah. exactly like you were saying action was being taken you know? mm -hmm. much like even with your jujitsu you know like when did you actually start jujitsu it was mm. recently right like two years ago uh it's actually december three years ago so it's about to be your four now 2009 okay. so december of 2015 is when i started okay. um yeah december of 2015 so it's been about four years now about four years mm -hmm. and you started with that by like just putting it in your mind something you want to do Right. And you have, a, you have a goal that you want to attain. I assume it's, you know, just achieve, achieving a higher level black belt at some point mm -hmm. and working towards that. So, I mean, you could say in that, in some way, that's law of attraction right there. Um, and the reason why I remember roughly when you started Jiu-Jitsu is actually, I think I saw back then that you mentioned you were going to get into it. And I was considering getting into it as well. I have mm -hmm. um, a Taekwondo background. I did that for a little over nine years. Ooh. And, um, 
I was a little fearful to get into jujitsu because of the joints and all that stuff because I, I do practice powerlifting as well. No, I'm sure not as competitively as you, and I certainly don't lift as much as you, but um, I was just wondering, how did you get around that? Did you encounter any injuries or anything like that when you got into jujitsu, or do you have to work your powerlifting around it? Like, how do you structure everything to make it work? Okay. So, yeah, when I started, um, it was the idea of a friend because, like, I, I played soccer for, like, 15 years so so now 14 years 6 to like 20 and I, I moved my body a lot so doing only lifting and powerlifting um, that kind of for me like I wasn't able to move the way I wanted to move I was getting really stiff you know like you did taekwondo and you do powerlifting now but you probably have all your flexibility and stuff yeah and yeah can, like I can move. jump kick fly through, yeah I, do all that shit yeah I see that on your IG right you you can yeah. move well but when I was at the peak of my strength in powerlifting, I was not moving well. Maybe I'd move better than the average powerlifter because I did have that soccer background, but I wasn't moving the way I'd like to move. It was very stiff. I was, not, I was slow. I was, I was not happy. So, like, when I started jujitsu, that I started that because I saw the way they moved. It was very graceful. It was very, like, especially at the top level, when you see those top-level guys roll, it was flowy. It was just like I wanted to be able to move that way. Um, so when I started, that was like the goal. Now you asked about injuries. I did, um, and I think this partially happened outside of the mat, but I had a meniscus injury. So I, I injured something in here in my knee, and then it got amplified when I rolled one day, and then my meniscus tore outside. Like I think I don't, I forgot what I was doing, but I got up from a chair and I heard a <laughs> in my right knee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, my meniscus tore. Um, it was, it started though in here with something I did when squatting and I just like being stupid. I didn't stop. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I just, uh, one, like one other thing I'm kind of mad about in terms of that is cause like I knew something happened. This is like totally out to the side and we're going to veer back real soon. I think I've done this too, but continue. Yeah. I've had this yeah. same issue. Right yeah. So I knew, I knew what happened. Right. But I went to the hospital and I wanted to get an MRI. Right. And the doctor looked at me in my knee. He's like, I think you're okay, buddy. I'm like, mm, man, this isn't normal. I really think you should give me an MRI so I can see what's going on in there. He was like, ah, oh, nah, you're good. You're good. I went back twice. Okay. I went like, I got two appointments. He's like, nah, you're good. Cause MRIs are expensive. Even with insurance, MRIs are expensive. Doctors really don't want to give that to you. So then it tore, the c -c 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 happened. And then I went back. I'm like, okay, can I get an MRI now? He's like, oh yeah, let's get an MRI in that buddy. So it was a bucket handle tear that I had to get surgery on. And the only reason I'm pissed is because maybe we could have done something beforehand. Um, but it, uh, a meniscus tear isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. It sucks, but it's not that bad. The surgery, they just went in, they, they pulled out part of the floating meniscus in the, in the handle or whatever. Um, and then I, like, you know, I recovered and I was back to training pretty soon after that and jujitsu. I was back to jujitsu about, I think, nine weeks later, back to lifting. I tried to lift immediately and what I could do off of my leg and then it recovered. Um, another small injury I got in jujitsu was like my AC joint. And actually we'll talk about how I balance everything in a second, but you know, for anybody that wants to do jujitsu and lifting, or that is maybe currently doing jujitsu and doesn't lift, you should definitely lift because what happened with my shoulder was there's a period of time that I, I thought, okay, let me lower my shoulder volume a little bit or my pushing volume because uh, like, uh, it, it's, it's kind of getting a little bit tough to deal with. So I kind of just stopped doing sh a lot of shoulder volume in general, literally a few weeks later. Um, 
on the mats, sometimes when you're in the gi, which is the robe that you wear when you, you know, you do martial arts or jujitsu in, in the gi, like a lot of times, like when an individual would pull on my arm, right? I started getting something called a subluxation. It's right before a dislocation. So a dislocation is like the, the, the head of the shoulder totally coming out of the joint. Subluxation is it's slipping around in the joint. It's very painful. In like one week, I had like five different subluxations. I was like, why the fuck is this going on? And I thought about it. I'm like, I dropped my shoulder volume a few months ago. There's probably now weakness in the joint. And because the weakness in the joint, the shit's fluing and just moving around. So I immediately just started doing like those banded internal external rotations along with bringing back a lot of overhead pressing volume in odd positions um, like lateral raises, et cetera. I brought that back, haven't had a subluxation since. And my AC joint issue is pretty much almost done with. So that kind of just showed me that like it is, <laughs> it is really beneficial to keep some type of weight training stimulus in, um, ideally having it be structured and progressive. For, to help you on the mats, to help strengthen everything you do on the mats. Because, I mean, as you know, with your Taekwondo background, you, you, you're putting yourself in a lot of, I guess, just weird positions that your body may not be used to, especially in jujitsu too, with all the different holds and all the different submissions, you're getting put into some weird positions. And if you don't have, I guess, muscular and even joint strength and integrity, it's much easier to get injured. Much, much easier to get injured. Most of the guys that I know that get injured a lot in jujitsu don't really do a lot of training outside of jujitsu in terms of the weight room. A lot of the sturdier individuals I know in jujitsu that like that I roll with or that I know, they don't get injured often. And if it is an injury, it's typically not like, it's not anything because of a, like, it's not anything directly. It's not anything that like was unavoidable. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Yeah. Now the structure part, um, the big thing, like I've talked about this before, when, if you're starting from a lifting background, you want to get into jiu-jitsu. I was really scared that I would lose strength in the gym or that I would lose a lot of size. And um, it, 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 like, depending on how much you do the martial art or how serious you are about it, like if you're trying to train five or six times a week, right, you, you have to kind of figure out what your priority is. Are you doing jiu-jitsu as like just a weekend warrior type? You just want to get into it. You just want to learn about it and maybe doing it once or two times a week. Okay, you probably won't lose that much strength in the gym. Um, but if you're getting a lot of cardiovascular stimulus that you haven't gotten before, your, your, your lips are going to take a little bit of a hit because there's, there's the amount of time that you need to adapt to the martial art. You need to be able to adapt to the new stress that's happening. And that takes a while because jujitsu is very cardio intensive. And like we were talking about the breathing thing. One thing that happens with the majority of people that start jujitsu is they forget to breathe. Uh, if a man or a woman is on top of you getting ready to choke you out, your initial, uh, your initial response isn't going to be to calm down and breathe and, and just relax. Your initial response is to hold your breath and use as much force as you can, not using technique to get this person off of you. So that in and of itself causes a lot of unnecessary stress and fatigue, and which is one of the reasons why which, when a lot of beginners come out of jiu-jitsu in the year one, year two, even sometimes in year three, if they haven't grasped this, this concept, they will feel like they just got in a car wreck. Because if you're holding your breath for so long in between rolls, and most people, honestly, my man, don't realize that they're holding their breath, you can't recover well. You really, it's impossible to recover well. So one of the biggest things is, is, is learning how to calm down in the martial arts first off to allow yourself to get better. Um, and then over time, you adapt to that stress 
And that stress doesn't necessarily hit the, the, the weight room nearly as much as it used to. And then over time, you'll be able to start progressing again. So there's a phase of just like, there's an, there is going to be a phase where your lips are going to take a, a massive hit. But when you adapt, no matter how long it takes, your lips will start to come back and you could be just as strong or even stronger than you were before. Mm. And is there carryover from your lifting to jujitsu? Because you, you mentioned, and I can completely envision it, someone on top of you, on your chest, and you need to breathe. It is triggering that fight or flight response, right? And so does the lifting carry over? Because it's very similar if you're under a, a squat bar and, you know, you're obviously, you don't want to bail. So you're thinking, okay, I need to get up. And breathing is a huge, bracing the core, as you're all familiar, and some people may not be familiar, but is there carryover from the weightlifting aspect and that fight or flight response reactiveness to the jujitsu training? So if I'm looking through this at the lens of a power lifter, you know, a lot, a lot of times maybe they, you know, you got to brace, you got to, you got to hold your breath. You're not going to be breathing as you're <laughs> going through your deadlift. You know, you're, you're tight, right? There, there's a carryover in terms of like strength and beneficial strength, but there's also a duality in that in terms of when you're a very strong strength athlete, you almost want to, you, you, you're trying to focus on using that in jujitsu. And if you actually do want to get better in jujitsu, you, you can't just focus on using your strength. Just like if a strength athlete, man, like, you know, if a really strong guy wants to get started in Taekwondo and all of his kicks, he was just trying to be as strong as possible and not using the technique and utilizing his hips. He's not going to get really, he's not going to really get that good if he's only relying on that. There's so much power that could be created if he had technique like yourself yeah, along yeah. with the strength that you have, right? So it's just like in jujitsu, in a lot of situations in the beginning, maybe I could get out of bad situations by tensing up and using all of my strength and just pushing my opponent off or just dragging them, right? But that's not a long-term, like, that's not a long, that's not something that will benefit me in the long run. And by the way, I just want to make this clear. When I started jujitsu, I was really, really bad. <laughs> I had no grappling background. Um, I have this story and the, the video is up on my YouTube channel. I wish I remembered the title, but there's a counter next to the amount of times that, that this black belt tapped me. His name was Nate. Maybe it was about three months or four you months. You rolled up the black belt first thing too. I guess that's safer yeah. for you, right? He's not going to, he's not going to fuck you up. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. Okay. One thing for anybody that wants to start in jujitsu, if you do go to a school, right? And um, most schools, or a lot of schools don't allow this, but some schools do where they allow white belts to roll with other white belts. Mm. Be very wary. Be very wary because um, some white belts are cool and, and calm. And, and if they've been doing it for a while, they, they could be pretty proficient. But a lot of times when white belts sniff out another white belt, <laughs> they smell blood and they're very spazzy sometimes so sometimes especially if you're you're a white belt you don't necessarily know what what is good and what is bad you don't know necessarily when you should stop or when you should even try and get out of when you should tap to a submission sometimes they don't know and white belts usually hurt other white belts so that's why i never rolled with a white belt as a white belt and my school casio who's the instructor he didn't allow that for good reason that's a bad idea um, so I, I rolled with like blue belts to black belts, but yeah, in the video I was rolling with Nate who was soaking wet, maybe 155 pounds, you know, as a black belt. And I was like 260, 265. Right. So I was like, 
I got, maybe I'll be able to do a little bit of something, something here. I won't tap him, but maybe I'll be able to defend myself. And no, I didn't defend myself. He tapped me like six times in a six minute round. So, and that video is there. I counted, I had a counter. I had all the submissions that he just wrecked me with. It's all there. Right. So like, um, that's the thing though, you know, look at that weight difference. I was 110 pounds heavier than him. I didn't have that much technique to myself. Um, maybe I had a little bit in terms of escaping, but that didn't help me. But this black belt with technique who was like, who was way lighter than me. I was way stronger than him. My strength didn't matter. His technique wrecked everything that I tried to do. I couldn't, I couldn't defend myself. I couldn't do anything. That was one of the big like times in my like jujitsu career that I realized, Oh, this is good shit. This is awesome. If I can learn to do the things that he does, right. Um, and even like with my strength background, if I can learn how to have that type of technique, uh, the, the, I, I can do this, you know, that that's what really drew me to it, the difficulty of it. Um, so you did ask a question before. What was it? What was it? Uh, I don't know if there was what I was asking if there's a carryover, mostly in the mental state when you're in that fight or flight, like if you're able yes. to maintain your cool, maintain your calm, rely on your training, what you've learned, very similar to powerlifting. Yeah. So, okay. So that, yeah, dude, you know, there really is. And I think, I think it really kind of depends on your temperament as a lifter, because this is the thing, you know, in powerlifting, there, there are a lot of different types of lifters. There are lifters that draw from anger for their big lifts, you know, so they think about, you know, some dark shit, they sniff the ammonia, they get amped up, they lift. And then, you know, there are lifters that like, I, 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 when I first started powerlifting, because I saw a lot of that around me, I was like, maybe that's what I got to do to lift some heavy ass weight. Like, I need to try and do that. And I'm not typically an angry guy, by the way. Like, it's kind of hard to ruffle my feathers or make me mad. So I was having to create this artificial anger and amp up, you know, which didn't work well for me. So I just went back to my own, like, temperament. I am calm before a big lift. I try to think of nothing. And that, for me, works well towards jujitsu. I don't think it works well to get really angry, typically, for most people. If you can have a calm type of anger, then yes, because there are some high-level black belts. Um, uh, I wish I knew his name so like people could look him up. But there's a very high-level black belt, uh, and Andre uh, Andre Marigali or Nicholas Marigali. Before his matches, he like paces back and forth, and he's like a bull. And when he gets in, though, he's like super focused, right? So he has this this focused, you could even call it anger and rage, but he's still extremely technical. He's not like using too much strength. But what I was saying was in jujitsu, like as a powerlifter, you, you have to create a lot of force. But in jujitsu, if you try to approach it as a powerlifter would, you're going to get wrecked because you, you, you kind of have to, in some ways, calm down and utilize technique, which is a hard thing for lifters to do because you know that you know, this person, like we were talking about the example of somebody on top of you in a mount position, you know, that if as a lifter, you could just bench this person off of you, you could just be like, ha, right. And make them fly. But that's not like, if you're working against someone who weighs as much as you or is even heavier than you, most of the time, that's not going to work. There are technical ways to get out of it. And that was one of my struggles at the beginning. You know, guys were saying, try not to use strength, try to use technique, try not to use strength. And in the back of my head, I was just like, how it's <laughs> yeah. here. <laughs> like it's yeah. right here. How do I not use it? Um, so like, I just had to like learn how to like in, in certain situations understand that, okay, I can push him off of me or I can maybe just smash him here, but I know that that's, that's not realistic. So I had to really dive into that. And one thing that's helped me out a lot 
is lifting before jujitsu. Now, if you can manage this, I think it'd be great as a strength athlete because let me just talk about the opposite of this. If you were to do jujitsu, then lift, I think that's very dangerous because your body's already beat up and now you're going to try and get underneath a squat or underneath a bench press when your muscles are fatigued. It's much better in any situation, no matter what type of jujitsu athlete you are, to lift beforehand because if you go on the mats and you're a little bit fatigued, okay, now you can't use as much general force as you typically would. You have to rely more so on technique. And that helped me out so much. If I did a heavy bench press workout or uh, uh, just a, a heavy workout in here, then I went to go roll. Man, it really did change my game because first off, I was a little bit tired. But secondly, I couldn't just use all of the force that I typically would be used to using to escape things. So mm -hmm. I now have to rely on that technique. When I was tired, especially, right? In desperation, you start to go back to what you're good at. You know, when you're really beat up, but I couldn't go back to that because I was already so freaking beat. So it forced me to learn and use the technique that we've been going over rather than going back to my, my powerlifting background and just trying to push myself out of it or will myself out of it. Um, so yeah, but there, there are really beneficial carryovers. Like, you know, if two black belts are rolling and one is a strength athlete, that is, they're the same weight and one's just stronger than the other with the same level of jujitsu technique, you could almost say not eight, nine, 10 out of 10 times that individual who's stronger will win, you know? So I think that everybody that does jujitsu needs to find a way to implement some strength training or some training to get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. Cause there's the, 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 oh my gosh, just how much it's going to help the martial art is, is insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never would have thought of it that way. You're almost humbling yourself prior to going in there. You're like pre-exhausting yourself that way. Even if you defaulted back to that strength, you, it wouldn't be there. You know, your, your tank is empty almost, right? That's pretty okay. clever. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Because I was thinking that might be something that I would even do, you know, getting in there just like, yeah, I can do the math on this guy, wait about this, I can bench this, I just throw him off right now. <laughs> if he's got any sort of skill, it's just not going to work, and I'm just going to feel so defeated in trying that method. Um, yeah. So I want to just quickly just switch gears here to that. This is actually, you mentioned it on the, the podcast, uh, Mark Bell's earlier this week, and you were talking about kind of entrepreneurship. And um, did you, I don't know if I'm quoting this right, but you had someone that so when you were growing up, I don't know if it's your mother or your auntie or something, but basically pitching to you that you should, you could always go back to school and get a degree. Because this is something that I've, I've talked with a few people about, and I talk with a lot of entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs and uh, very successful people. And, uh, you know, it's funny, even my mom, uh, pitches that. I went to college for three years, but she always pitched that you can go back to school. I'm like, for what? I, I went first of all. And I've yeah. like in school, I had a company and I actually sold that company when I finished college. But like, I've always been doing business, but for some reason I still get pitched on, you can go get more schooling done. So I just want to get your take on this, uh, this idea that pretty much anyone with a piece of, you know, with any of these like devices can become an entrepreneur can can really do it for themselves can set goals and again getting back to law of attraction can, can set these things up for themselves and then work towards it and uh, and really just have the confidence to do so even if people are chirping in their ear you know meanwhile to, to go and do something that's uh, you know maybe they don't want to do per se I just want to get your take on that your experience with it yeah man so um, that exact story that woman was my mom's best friend from college and this okay. was this was like was it this year? It was, yeah, it was actually earlier this year. So she came to visit my mom um, and 
for, you know, just, just so everybody knows I'm Nigerian. So within our culture, um, for any Nigerian immigrants that come to America, because I'm first generation here, uh, a, a lot of Nigerians are pretty successful, but they're like doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, that, that's the thing. That's, and when you're coming up as a kid in Nigerian household, you don't only hear that from your parents, but you hear that from your uncles, you hear that from your aunts, you hear that from your aunts that really aren't your aunts, but you call them your aunt because your mom knows them. You know what I mean? You hear that from literally everyone in the community. Oh, what do you want to go to school for in Sima? Oh, I, I want to be a doctor. Oh, very successful. You know, like that's, that's, that's your culture, right? Uh, and then even socially, outside of Nigerian culture, like, you, you know, you go to school, you, you have the blueprint. That's your blueprint. You really can't see anything outside of that because that's what everybody else is doing. I didn't have any businessmen or entrepreneurs around me. So it was something that I didn't really think was possible initially. But at this point, I've already gone deep into what I do right now in terms of coaching. So that's, that, that makes me career level money. I don't need anything else. Um, and this lady who... She, she actually, she, she went to college with my mom. She got a degree. Her daughters all have degrees. Uh, and she was talking to me. She's like, and Sima, it doesn't matter what you're doing right now. It could all fall apart. If you just go to school and get that degree, right? If you get that degree, then at least you have something to fall back on. You know, just go back. I'm just, and, and we were talking and I was like, okay, auntie, listen, like I'm doing pretty good right now, right? I have people around me that are also in business that I'm learning from and they're doing pretty well too why i was like i just i i i and you know you got to be respectful that's one thing i like I'm, i respect my elders i came up respect your elders respect whatever so i wasn't i wasn't trying to be mean or anything but i was just like auntie tell me why and she's just like well, you know if you don't have a degree there's a lot of you know you could probably fail like there's you don't have anything you know if, if all falls apart you don't have anything to fall back on just like so why should i go back Spend a, a few thousand, if not tens of thousands of dollars to finish up and get that degree. What's it going to bring? And she couldn't come up with an answer other than you just need to go back and do it. Like it came down to, okay, I'm your aunt. You need to get your ass back in school and go do it. So it's just something that it, like culturally, like within the Nigerian community and a lot of communities, it's, it's something that like if you, especially Nigerians, if you don't get a degree, you're kind of a failure. It doesn't really matter uh, unless you have a lot of big things to show for it. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of posturing. So like the first question, when you go to a lot of like, I guess, even African parties, it's like, especially for myself, like, uh, I guess a, a lot of like fathers who want to, you know, figure out a guy for their daughters, well, where'd you go to school and what's your degree? It doesn't matter what you do. It's just like, that's, that's the culture. So, um, what I was happy about is like, when I first left school, I didn't tell my mom that I left school for like a year didn't tell her for a full year. She didn't know I wasn't in school. She thought I was still in school. Um, and then when I told her what I was doing, what I was working towards, like, she was like, okay, well, if you're not going to get a degree, at least you're working towards something. You're, you know, you work hard. So I trust that you'll be able to make it happen. She was literally only person in my life that was like, I trust that you can make this happen. And I'm, I'm, I've mentioned, I'm so lucky that I had that. Um, because if she was, if she was super against, but she did want me to go back to school, by the way, but she was just like, you know, do this. If it doesn't work out, just go back, try and get it. Um, and she's been pretty supportive of that. So I do think it is very difficult, honestly. Uh, it's cool now. Cause even when I started doing that type of stuff, I think entrepreneurship was maybe it was starting to get a little bit more popular, 
but it was still at a point where you didn't necessarily see much of that unless you willingly tried to look for it. You really had to look for what people were doing in terms of entrepreneurship. For you though, that's dope that you sold a company in like college. That means you probably must have been thinking about that shit since like high school or I don't know yeah, how. Yeah. But. I was well, I was fourteen when I registered my first corporation, and uh, it was in digital holy marketing. So that was like two thousand and three, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, Dude, you were way ahead of the game. I wasn't that smart. Like, <laughs> I was not that smart. Um, I like I, I got inspiration from. Um, you know, guys like uh, Alberto Nunez and people that were just doing things online like that. I was like, okay, this is possible. I can do this. But I wasn't super business minded like yourself. You know what I mean? I didn't think that it would have been something that I've been able to do. Now I think though, like because of social media, because like the Gary V's and how spread that is, there's yeah, kids yeah. coming up, like kids that are coming up that are like, I'm gonna make a YouTube channel. I'm gonna make a gaming channel. I'm gonna fucking stream. I'm gonna make hella money. Like, that that's just popular right now, which is great, honestly, because like you know that there are, you probably know so many other things that you could do outside of the box, other than other like outside of just going to school. You know, you you know you know that for sure. You know, there's so many different business ideas that people could have that they just don't think about. You know what, Mark so, was actually just talking about that. Uh, you know, you can sell anything, like anything whatsoever. You know, I've I've had businesses where I've sold women's hair extensions. I have sold women's uh, lingerie, you know, mm -hmm. I've sold dog toys, like uh, anything, right? Like yeah. anything can make money because there's stuff everywhere and someone wants something regardless, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, definitely. And, and having these Gary V's and all these people on social media now, it's, it's amazing. I didn't have that growing up. I was kind of just like doing it on my own. And I, I only really got heavily involved into it because I realized how much it sucked working for someone. Like I, I worked at a grocery store for like three months making below minimum wage. They're like, Hey, can you go stack this on top of that shelf up there? I'm like, dude, I'm making eight bucks an hour. I'm not climbing up that fucking shelf. So I ended up just quitting that job. And I was like, yeah. no, I'm going to go work my own shit. And that's kind of how I got my confidence to do it was just, just dealing with garbage like jobs. Um, mm -hmm. But it was very similar. Like not many people supporting like, Oh, I, I think you can do this. I think you can start a company. I think you can be successful. It, yeah. it wasn't really like that. And, and very similarly to your mother, my mom was kind of the same. She's like, okay, well, you know, you are in college or you're taking business. Um, you know, you, you, you could probably just do your business. Are you sure you don't want to try that? And, um, yeah. It's a little bit of support, but it's like, it's not like solid. Like I to totally believe in you and you can do this. You're going to be a multimillionaire. It's not like that. It's like, yeah, you could try this, but you know, there's always that school thing, right? You could always go for, you know, um, so I totally get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, uh, real now, uh, now with all this online gaming stuff too, it's pretty crazy. And the fact that now that can be, totally be a profession, it just blows me away. So, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, real to, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, real quick. I don't, I don't want you to lose your point. So, um, but you know, especially like with within the Nigerian community and, and a lot of different cultures. Like one of my uncles, um, his his son, who's like who's younger than me. Is it's actually do like doing entrepreneurial entrepreneurial things right now. Like he's he has a clothing line. He's actually trying to rock that for a while. Um, and he had a lot of inspiration from like a lot of other entrepreneurs and even even myself when I was doing what I was doing. Is like yeah, look at Nsema. Look look at what he's doing. So, you know, this is the thing, and I don't necessarily blame immigrant parents for this. I I, I think that they, they their head's in the right place. All they want for their children is to be successful. If you think about it, like my mom came from Nigeria, which is not like it's a very corrupt place especially you know as a woman too um 
And you come there, you come here to the line of opportunity, you, you get a degree, you get a job, you start doing well. And you look at your kid and your kid's not, your kid has all this opportunity and they're not going to school. So, you know, that's, that's difficult, I feel like, in the, like to, to come to terms with that there's so many other things to do. But, you know, his son was saying, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. Look at these people. Look at these entrepreneurs. He's like, you know what? That may have worked for Insema or that may have worked for them, but that's not going to work for you. And I think it's just so, like, parents don't understand the power that they can have over the, the goal of their children. And yeah, obviously, as an individual, we need to, we need to sometimes not put as much weight under what our parents think for a while, you know, even though they do want the best for us most of the time, we got to not put as much weight into that. But if you're a parent listening to this and you have a kid that's maybe thinking a little bit different, you know, try and try and support that kid, no matter how, how hard you may think that is, you know, don't, don't just don't kill it, please don't kill it. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. There was a book I listened to, uh, Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, and it covered that like exactly, that especially in the early stages of a child's development, the words that the parent says to them, like they're so critical and that there's so much value to be placed on that. You know, I've walked around and I'm sure you have too, and you hear like parents yelling at their kids or saying some weird shit to their kids. And I think like the parent doesn't realize that in this moment, we're just in some stupid grocery store, but that kid could carry what you just said for 10 years. Yeah. You know, it could really affect their development. So I don't think a lot of parents really put as much, um, I, I don't think there's, they think that their words are, are that impactful on the children, but they really, really are. So I'm glad you addressed that because it's something that's, that's super important. Um, yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask you because we did briefly just mention some gaming stuff and I know you just picked up yeah. a switch. How All the right. fuck did you know that? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so first of all, I want to ask you how much you actually playing, how much are you doing any gaming with all the lifting and the jujitsu and the podcast and everything? Do you have any time for actual gaming? So how long ago did I get it? I got the Switch. It's pretty recent, right? And I know yeah, you're trying to get Mark on some uh, some gaming shit too. So uh, trying to get He said he likes Mario Kart or something. Yeah, he he likes those games, man. I think his son. He think he has his son has some stuff too. Mm. But he likes gaming. He just like, dude, like I don't even know how he'd find time, but he 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 can. Anyway, I got okay. my. Son. I think it's okay in moderation, but I just want to like yeah. I know a lot of busy people and they squeeze in gaming here or there. So I just want to see how how you manage it. Yeah, it was tough. I got my Switch uh last weekend i think maybe saturday or sunday or something so i bought breath of the wild i bought smash bros um and i think i'm only kind of been able to log in about two and a half hours okay so like it's it's i, I used to i've talked about this on the podcast before when i was a teenager bro uh, my personality when i start something i want to get really really good i want to be competitive you know so when I started like like Counter Strike as a teenager, I wanted to be a competitive Counter Strike player. Like I want, I I, want, I I played that much to get that good as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. So do I you remember that, the version? Do you remember the huh? version of Counter Strike you started on one point? You know, it was um, Source. Source. Okay. Okay. Counter Strike Source. One point six was before that, and yeah, I, yeah. I I was I didn't play it early enough for that, but I played Counter Strike. A little, a little tidbit. That's actually how I started with uh, digital marketing. Was doing large clan websites and marketing for them. So like those big fucking teams that now they're like on massive stages. We used to like build their websites, do their marketing, sponsor a bunch of shit. I sponsored gaming radios. 
that's how I started into actual digital marketing was through gaming and Counter-Strike. So it's just funny you mentioned that. Dude, that's sick. Yeah, you were a teenager, right? Sorry? You were a yeah, teenager. Yeah, yeah, I had a clan, a, a Counter-Strike clan of 120 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh. we had like 10 servers. Uh, fuck, yeah. Yeah, and I just sponsored large, big clans. And, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, we just did websites and, and apps. Well, not apps back then, shit, what was it? Mostly just websites, graphics, advertising, stuff like that. Yeah, apps didn't come out yeah. yet. <laughs> now I'm so curious, like, how you got into all that stuff. Like, like, what was around you as a kid? Or was it just your belief? Or was it just the things that you were interested in that allowed you to think outside of the box at such an early age? Because that's just fucking yeah. crazy. To me. I don't know. I really don't know. I guess um, I always liked making money. Like, I, from a very young age, I knew that the world kind of runs on money. So I would just buy and sell things constantly. Even, like, way back, like, grade five, six, four, whatever, I was selling, like, candies to kids in school. So I'd go yeah. buy them in huge bulk in, like, a massive jar, flip them up into little bags, and flip them mm-hmm. in school for two bucks on these little bags. So I'd yeah. make, like, a four times return on my candy investment. So, like, I just started doing that shit, and then eventually I got into gaming, and then I was like, you know, I can probably make money in gaming. It's kind of like what we're talking about. You can make money doing absolutely anything as long as you shift your focus into, into that direction. It's very easy for you to be like, no, I can't make shit doing that. But if you make that little flip and go, or can I, you, you'll figure it out, right? And you'll be able exactly. to keep it all together. So that, that's kind of how it went for me. I mean, I didn't grow up having anything. Like I was pretty, pretty broke ass uh, in like a, a ghetto area raised just by my mom, like mm-hmm. super ghetto. So, you know, yeah. it's, uh, and, and like, and kind of like a gang area, like a lot of racism there too, between different cultures. So yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I didn't really like my situation. I just knew I had to work hard to change it. So, but I, I kind of was patient with it. I was like, you know, stuff doesn't happen overnight, but um, yeah, that was basically the process. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. And so like for you, you've been doing that since you were a kid. For me, the business stuff didn't come natural to me. Like it, it like I had to have examples of people that did it. And then my mind was like, I can, I can do that. Mm. I wasn't just so like, and then when I, when I started thinking that way, then I started getting into the self-development stuff. And then I was like, Oh shit. Okay. So there are all these, there are all these cool things I could do. I feel like I hopped on that train kind of late, you know? Um, I'm happy that I did when I did, like I'm saying I got into it late. I was like maybe 21, 22. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, I'm just happy that I've managed to make that switch or make that mindset switch because I was very much, an academic i was very much an academic focused kid um so like anyone can do it but on the on the gaming thing yeah uh i can't play as much as i want to even andrew here who has a switch too um he's the one who peer pressured me into buying it (laughs) anyway it's it's an inside joke here but um yeah, even he can't play his Switch. Like, he, I don't think he's, he's touched it maybe once this week for like an hour. And that was like the most that he's done in a while. Um, but like, yeah, we got a few other guys here that have one too. And uh, just, just, you know, we got we to gotta balance it out. We can't, I can't get too into it. If I allow myself to like it too much, man, you won't see shit from me for months. It's all right as long as you start live streaming that and monetizing that. Then That's the do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Give me some time to get good at Smash Bros. And then uh, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start streaming. Just give me okay. a little cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been considering trying my like the only game I play right now is Dota, Defense of, Defense of the Ancients. Oh my god. Okay, yo. Ooh. Oh, I, I go on on that in a second. But I used to play yeah. League when I was younger. Okay. Uh, I had to quit because I got too addicted. 
I got way too addicted. I had the username Mamba. And this wasn't with like M at M MBA. Like I had the username Mamba. It was like, like I got in early, but I was so fucking addicted that I was like, if I continue this, I'm like, I didn't have, that's the thing. You have control, bro. I feel like you're probably really good at Dota and you have some self-control in how long you play. When I yeah. played, especially since I was playing with a bunch of other people, bro, I did not have the control to be like an hour. Let's get off. It'd be like five hours later. Oh God, I got to do my homework. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's not good. Yeah, with with Dota, it's kind of cool. Any of those games, it's like you got that one hour match or forty five minute match, and yeah, usually I'll squeeze one or two in a few times a week, uh-huh. and then that's basically it. Yeah, but it, definitely I could see. You know what? I have a standing desk now that really helps because I'll just get tired of standing after a while. I'm like, okay, my legs are a little sore. I'm gonna go sit down, take a break. If I was still sitting, I could probably pull off a good five-hour session. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, cool. So I did want to ask you about your, because we haven't really covered much of it, but do you have any meditation routine? Um, or it could be as simple as just going for a mindful walk, something like that. Or it could be, you know, actually going and sitting down cross-legged and, and doing the whole thing. So do you have anything that you employ on a day-to-day basis or, or weekly or anything? So I don't. In terms of like what people, most people would think of in terms of meditation, sitting down 10 or 20 minutes and just letting your mind wander, you know, that. I don't do that every day. I do that a few times, twice, maybe three times a week. I used to do that every single day, actually, when I, when I was really trying to like, I'm still trying to learn more about it now, deeper meditations or whatever. Um, I have, you know, Sam Harris? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I downloaded to Zap because he, he's really good at what he does. I was like, oh, this, this, could, this could help. And it did. A lot of his meditations are pretty solid. It, it'll give you a good primer on a lot of that stuff. Um, and I still have it. I still utilize it quite a bit too. Um, but the thing that really kind of, I guess, helps me out is making sure that every day I get outside. Um, I work a lot. I try to do all my work outside. Um, I take multiple walks a day. And I just try not to have my phone on me. I just try to let my, my, myself think. I bring a notepad with me. So if any ideas come up while I'm walking, um, I can write them down. Um, and that's, I think the walking thing for me has, uh, has been one of the, one of the best changes is that changes that I've made because I, I get so many cool ideas when I'm just like walking for 20 or 10, 20 minutes. Um, and then like, obviously, like I mentioned that sun exposure, I think, uh, I think that in and of itself has been something that as I've focused on it, I've been making sure that I just do more things outside. My, my mood generally has been elevated. I just feel so much better, so much clearer. Um, there, was, there was a period of time a while back where like, I'd just be doing all my work in, indoors, inside of Starbucks, you know, inside of just like I wouldn't get much sun. And there is a noticeable difference nowadays. So one big thing I think for everybody is just, especially it's tough, especially if you work in like an office, you have kids, right? So typically people wake up, they get in their car, they drop their kids at school, they go to work, they're there for hours, they pick up their kids, they go back indoors. Think about like the, the percentage of time is spent in a car or in a building, not getting sun. It's not normal at all. Like, like you need to get sun exposure and it's not something that, oh, it's just for vitamin D. It's literally like, I mean, it's literally for your, like your circadian rhythm, your, your sleeping and waking cycles to trigger your body. It's daytime, it's like hormonal things. Like it's, it, it's, it's beneficial. And then to trigger yourself to go to sleep. And most people's circadian rhythms are off, which is why they themselves feel off. And when I've got that in line, like nowadays, without an alarm, I'm waking up literally at the same time every single day, 6.55, almost on the dot every single day. 
it's never been like that for me. Typically, because like uh, I would go to sleep or wake up at or go to sleep at different times and I wouldn't get much as much sun, I'd sometimes wake up at, you know, 5.50 and I'd have to fall back asleep because I didn't get enough sleep. Or I'd sometimes wake up more so late or I'd have to use my alarm to get up when I needed to wake up. Now it's literally 6.55, 6.50, 6.55 every single day. My shit is in line. And that now that I have that in check, man, it, everything feels just so much better. So in terms of, I guess, uh, a habit, I know it's not meditation. I think walking in and of itself is just a beneficial thing to do. You can clear your mind. You don't need to take your phone with you. I don't have my phone with me. I don't have like music on. I just let myself walk and think. I look at that as meditation, to be honest, and as, as a period for me to be a bit mindful. Um, but uh, I think just trying to get outside more as individuals will be one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Getting outside in the morning, you know, getting some, a little bit of sun in the morning if you possibly can, um, just to set yourself in line for the day. And if you can, you know, do as much work or activities as you can out in the sun as possible. Even if you're in a cloudy area like Chicago or New York or whatever, you, you don't get as much sun some places where you, you might be. That it's still, like, even if it's overcast, you're still getting a lot of sun, even if you don't visibly see the sun like a lot of us do here in California. It's still a lot, and it will make a difference. Um, that's one of the biggest things that I've changed for myself and even for a lot of clients that I work with to get in that habit. And they themselves notice a difference in their mood, their sleep quality, their waking, how like when they wake up, all of these things. I think that could be one of the things that is, because there's like, we talked a little bit about breathing, how like as lifters, we don't pay much attention to maybe just that aspect, just breathing correctly. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, fitness individuals, people who are into fitness, we pay attention to our nutrition and our training, but we who, who the hell really thinks about sunlight or getting enough light in during the day? It's just crazy how much of a benefit that that has. I, I, I never thought about that until like earlier this year, right? And I mean, I, get, I got more sunlight than most because I would sometimes work outside. But when I really made it a point to get out in the morning, in the beginning of my day, to be outside more, to take more walks outside, gosh, that made a big difference for me. Such a big difference for me. Mm -hmm. and, and you say... You I mean, some people might not consider that a meditation, but I, I really do. I consider it like a, a form of mindfulness meditation. It's actually part of even, uh, I'm, I'm sure, not sure if you've heard of this, but there's four postures of, of Buddhism, which is sitting, standing, lying down, walking around, which is you just carry this mindfulness, this awareness with you as you go about the world. I've spoken with a Buddhist Lama. He's actually a mentor of mine, Lama Suryadas. He came up with another posture, which is thumbing. These things going out here. <laughs> You're just thumbing and being very mindful because we've got all these devices. So it, it's like something you can just carry with you as you go around the world. I was just speaking with another author and he uh, was mentioning that he was practicing 35 hours a week of mindfulness meditation, but he was including even eating time because a lot of time we'll be eating, but the food itself triggers our emotions, triggers our thoughts. Our, it, a lot of times people don't eat mindfully. You know, just enjoy the flavor profile of what they're taking in um, and being really attentive to that. So a lot of times everyone's attention is wandering when they're eating. It's just very triggering. So I think that just carrying that mindfulness is, is a great practice. It seems like that's kind of the direction you're in, really. And then setting the tone and setting the flow of the day by getting up at a, at a you know, correct time for you, whatever is optimal for you. And then just uh, having your, your day planned out, you know, according to that. So it seems, is that correct? Is that sort of described, really? 
Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Um, and like in that realm, like I'm just trying to learn so much more because even the four, the four postures, right? I yeah. didn't know what that was until you just told me. So like, um, I'm actually curious, like, oh, we'll, we'll talk after, but I, I want to know like what books you would say or what like resources, I guess, would mm -hmm. be really good for someone to learn about a lot of this stuff. Cause like that, mm -hmm. like a lot of it's interesting, but I'm, I'm such a noob in this area. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah, books that I would recommend, it really depends on what you enjoy. I like Zen. I like Buddhism. Uh, I like Hinduism. I've been trying to learn more about Buddhism. That's mm. been something that, that, that piqued my interest recently. Mm. So books like really, uh, Tao Te Ching, um, I'll, I'll send you a message with these after, but Tao Te Ching is really good, or the Tao. Mm. Uh, there's a translation by Stephen Mitchell that's really good, uh, and, and it helps bring you into this, this resonance state when you're just walking around. I would even suggest listening to these. Another really powerful book is the Diamond Sutra, which is like extremely old. Um, and it, it's very much like that as well, Zen Buddhism. And if you want to go more into Hinduism, the Shiva Sutras is actually really good as well. Uh, Shiva? Shiva. Shiva okay. Sutras, yeah. Those are really good starting points, anyways. Um, there are ones that you're going to have to listen. I mean, I do. I listen to them. Like, so, for instance, the Diamond Sutra, I'll play that for a month straight every single day. Mm -hmm. um, if I, if I want to really, like, delve down into, deep into something, it's almost like I just want to peel away the layers of ego, peel away everything that I've come to know and understand since birth, because this all seems so transient, so temporary, but we hold such attachment to it, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's like we all take the stage of this play, we put on our masks, our costume, but after the play is done, we take that shit off, you know, but a lot of people think that's it, that's them, you know, and that's, that's all they'll ever be. But yeah. it's really just the mask and the costume and the outfit. So if, if you wore that after the play with everyone, they're going to think you're crazy. You know, they're going to be like, why is this dude still wearing his mask? So I guess really the practice of, uh, of Buddhism or, or meditation or spirituality as a whole has been for me to peel away those layers that, you know, are so superficial and just get deeper into and what I'm coming to understand, it all has to do a lot with the heart. Um, it, it's like getting out of the brain, getting out of the logic, and, and moving more into the heart. And, and yeah. I, I'm studying right now, I'm studying a lot of Egyptian, ancient Egyptian, um, and that they're so heavily involved in, like just their, their view of the heart, even the embalming process, the mummification process, they strip out the nose, uh, the brain through the nose, discard it into the trash. It's completely useless to them. Going into the next world, the heart is what's to be preserved. They'll keep that separately in a nice little, um, like a nice jar container. So it's like they put so much value there and everything is to be seen through the heart. So if you, if you try to operate mechanically through the brain, you're, you're just a mechanical human being, which it's really contrary to, to being a human, to being like a conscious entity that's like freely, creatively expressing yourself throughout the world. It's like when you start to shift to being mechanical, which is what the sun can help take you out of that. Like a lot of people that have those office jobs, I know guys like that, they don't mm -hmm. see the sun during the winter for months. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and they'll commute going underground into their office and then leave and come out and they never see the sun and they lose, they, they get so detached from that, that uh, truth that that's deep inherent within them. You know, like it, uh, so I find that like having this podcast is one of the reasons why I like to hold these conversations with people just because I like to shed some light on that inner life that's within every person that it seems like everyone forgets because there's so much external stimuli, there's so much information, so much happening that people get overwhelmed and, and they buy into all that hype when it's like that is just, 
it's so fleeting, it's gone. So uh, a practice that I even like doing is meditating on death and dying. So mm -hmm. it's, it's painful. You'll experience suffering. I've cried during the process because I'm stripping away everything I've come to understand and leaving myself with nothing. Another really good book is the Tibetan Book of the Dead because it allows someone to understand the process of dying and going through the different bardos, the stages after death, where you may have this clean, this attachment to the form which you've come to know and love and understand as, as being you. But really, it's, it's not necessarily the core essence of that being. It's just, just that costume, you know? So, um, yeah, some books. Okay. I'll give you a bunch. I have so many. Like, that's part of I, I love to uh, listen to books and, and all this different stuff. Even when lifting, I don't listen to music anymore. It's just yeah. audiobooks, just podcasts. Um, even though I do think there is some performance benefit to music, like, you can get, like, 5 to 10% boost in performance if you're just getting hyped like that. But... So maybe I'll throw on Kanye here or there, but for the most part, it's yeah. it's all just like books and whatnot. So. Yeah, no, like for, I was writing down these books frantically, but I'm happy that you're going to send me them after. I'll give you a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. I even post them on my Instagram page for the podcast. A lot of people like them. And I'll even ask like other people to leave their recommendations because people start commenting and I'm like, oh shit, I haven't read that. And I'll like go and check it out. And it's mm -hmm. just amazing. I, I like the the idea of working working the mind in that sense, just as much as you're working your physical body. Because it's like, I've spoken with uh, some spiritual teachers like, like Ram Dass. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, Ram Dass is, uh, I think he's like 88 or 89 years old right now. He's literally just about to kick the bucket. Like he's probably going to die in the next couple of years, but he's preparing for death. And um, just in talking to people like that, it really, and elder people in general, when you say you respect your elders, great reason for doing it is because they have so much insight and intuition that you can just take away from um, rather than listening to a younger person who's just so caught up in, in worldly hype and stuff like that. So, um, But I wanted to ask you as well, have you had any psychedelic experiences? Nah, dude, barely. Um, and like, so the, the biggest thing that I've done was like, weed a few times like that, that's pretty much it mm. uh, but one of the th one of the reasons why i was so i guess afraid of even trying that when i was younger um and the first time i did it was like i think i was like 23 24 i was actually 24 um and the reason was actually because of like my older sister so uh preface this you know i don't I don't think that this is something that would happen to most people. But my, my sister, you know, she, she's, she was super smart. You know, she was really, really intelligent. She was actually on a really great path in terms of, a, you know, she was going towards law. She was one of the top in her class. She was really, really awesome. But um, I remember when I was a teenager, when like she first started because we were really close she just she just first, first started smoking some weed it wasn't a big deal like she told me about it she didn't want me to do anything like that but she told me about it literally a, a few months later I, I noticed a lot of changes happening in her temperament her or the way she was acting her mood and then the she had her first episode of like um it was a schizophrenic outburst and now she's literally not the same human being as she was in the past um and what the doctor said or two doctors said this was that there are certain individuals that have a propensity like a, a gene or something in them that if they take a psychedelic or something that enhances that part 
it'll come out if they have that, which I guess most people don't because, you know, kids smoke weed from like 15, 16, no big deal. I'm not, not saying that weed will cause schizophrenia or psychedelics will, but in her case, because she had that, it did. And she's not the same person. She's not, she's not the same person she was in the past. That was one of the reasons why I was so deathly afraid of trying that stuff for the longest time. I told myself, okay, I'm going to let my brain develop a bit more before, before that. And even the first time I was, my first experience with weed, I was, because I was so, um, I was so scared of it. It wasn't a great experience because I was already, my mind was already racing before I took that first hit. And the whole experience, my mind was like, oh my God, am I going to die? Am I going to go crazy? Blah, blah, blah. What? It, I didn't. I did it a few times after that. And it was all cool. It was actually fun. You know, I, I, I'd do it again. <laughs> like, it's just been, it's been a long time. Um, but that was something that I personally was just like deathly afraid of because I, what I saw happen to her, it was, it was like, it was the craziest thing to me. Um, now with being like, we had Kyle Kingsbury on and he's talked a lot about ayahuasca and that really piqued my interest. <laughs> Even yeah, Andrew yeah. over here is like, we need to try some ayahuasca. Yeah, yeah. Kyle's so, in the shrooms as well, right? Yeah, he, he's into shrooms as well, microdosing shrooms. And I've never tried that either. And um, yeah, like I'm, I'm interested. I just have never really delved down that road just because of uh, like obviously situations that have happened in my life. I've just been scared. <laughs> I've been really mm. scared. Um, so yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. very vanilla in that world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does make sense if someone has like a predisposition to any sort of um... – you know, mental illness or anything like that, it could be triggering if they try something. It's almost like you, you'd have to go to a doctor maybe to get some sort of scan to figure it out in advance. I don't, I don't think they I don't even... think this. Yeah, they, they can't. But yeah. like, I'll say, like, I'll say, say this too. Like, I think that you can't really get it tested, but the same situation happened to another individual in my family. So like to her, it happened mm. to another individual. Same shit happened. So like there there's a genetic thing in it too probably which is why i was scary because i'm like hmm two of two two shit this shit this shit must be genetic like what the hell um that's that's why i was just deathly afraid and at this point since i'm 27 my brain is pretty much fully developed and nothing's happened um i'm good pretty sure i'm good i fingers crossed (laughs) like but um it's still something that like still something that I, I guess, you know, kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, but like, uh, you know, one thing that you, you were mentioning, you know, getting out of the, uh, getting out of the head and more so getting to the heart. That was one thing, a shift that I've been, been trying to make for a long time because like I'm, I'm too much up here most of the time. Even nowadays, I, I'm really, really up here. Um, I try to just like logicize things so much, which is why Charlie, the guy who we had on, we talked to, I, I loved having that conversation with him because he's all, he's a guy that's all here. He's all heart. And you can tell the way he puts his ideas forward, the way he thinks his creativity, he's all right here. And I think that that's, that that's like such a powerful thing. And that's such a shift that like, if an individual that's like me, that's all head can, can like access some of that. Like I'm trying to access more of that, you know, or utilize more of that. My girlfriend's like almost the exact opposite. Like she's all here. And like, she's, she's, she's logical, but like, she's more, that's why I said, when I showed her your podcast page, she's like, oh, I fucking dig this. Like she knows all about this because that's like, that's, that's, you know, she, she digs that. So 
if you, if you can make that switch, obviously by listening, I guess, listening to more of this podcast for resources and, and ideas on that stuff, um, it'd be powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if even world leaders could make that shift more, it would just, it would be such a beautiful place to live. And that's why I even asked about the psychedelics, is I find that that is a tool that helps bring people, like it's, you can meditate, so I've tried a bunch of different psychedelics. I've tried, uh, actually I haven't done ayahuasca, mm-hmm. mostly because I don't want the commitment of puking for hours. Oh like, God. I know people that have done the ayahuasca thing and most of them have thrown up like at least two to three times after trying it. And I'm not a huge fan of that. Also the high for the, from the ayahuasca tends to like the DMT, the dimethyltryptamine, tends to stand, stay with you a really long time, like mm-hmm. hours and hours. So uh, I'm not a huge fan of that. It, it's it's kind of like um, psilocybin mushrooms. Like if I have those, I can be high for, it's a, if it's a microdose, it's not really much of anything. It's just a slight enhanced perception as I move about the world on my, on my day. So I could be on a business call, but I'll experience what's being said to me differently than if I wasn't on a microdose. So I guess it's kind of like how those Silicon Valley people are all cheating in an interesting way with these psychedelics. Um, they're just perceiving things a little bit differently. Yeah. But the ayahuasca, yeah, it's like a bit of a commitment. Uh, if you do get a chance to try some sort of psychedelic, I would, I would lean more towards, uh, or I would suggest lean towards um, psilocybin mushrooms or doing the DMT, not the ayahuasca, just DMT, where you can smoke it and blast off for like 15 minutes, which is a little bit heavy because when you cut, like when you come back to that, for that 15 minute blast off thing, you're just, it's overwhelming what you, what you would experience. So if you're to do that, you can do it in a way where you're not totally blasting off. You're just taking a few hits and sitting back and then watching the fractals in, in the sky. And you can be good with that. Maybe smoke a joint, take it to the next level. But um, I'd say start there. You get your hands on something like that. Um, I'm, I'm in Canada, so we're pretty like open about all this shit. Like I, I have DNT, I have psilocybin mushrooms, uh, I smoke weed, it's totally legal here. But uh, I don't do it all the time, but I think it's a really good tool for someone to integrate uh, just so that they can start moving and shifting more into their heart center, getting out of their head. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll start to feel this connectedness with everything when, when you start to experiment with some of these uh, substances. So if anyone's listening and hasn't tried the stuff, can, can do it under a safe uh, in a nice environment. I recommend doing that. Don't go to a fucking rave. Uh, <laughs> do it at home in your own comfortable setting that you're familiar with. So you're not going to freak out. Uh, no dragons popping out of the sky and flying down on you and shit like that, you know? So keep it safe. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a suggestion for, uh, for if, you're, if you're considering trying something. Yeah. No, um, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm really happy I spoke to you because uh, uh, I'm happy I got your advice on this because psilocybin, I've heard about psilocybin from a lot of other different podcasts. Yeah. I've never looked it up, but I've just heard a lot of people talk about it. So um, that, that, I think uh, that for me, that'll be my, my little dip, my little toe dip. I'm, I'm going to try that instead. Yeah, yeah. Try like uh, like two to three grams of psilocybin yeah. mushrooms. Not anything more than that. Like you're going into four or five grams, then you're, you're pretty much committing to a good six, eight hour high. Mm. Um, you know, but if you just do a few, like, a, like two, three grams again, it, you're going to get a taste or get your feet wet, basically, like what you're saying. And gotcha. um, yeah. Avoid the ayahuasca for now. A lot of that's such a big craze. A lot of people are doing it, and I, yeah. Actually, a buddy of mine just quit his job. He works uh, worked for Bloomberg, uh, the financial company. Just the t- same type of thing, like going into an office, not getting much sun exposure, all sorts of different stuff. Got depressed, quit his job, left Toronto, moved down to Mexico like a week ago, 
and he's going to start running ayahuasca type of retreats in Mexico. So um, I think a lot of people are pretty upset with, with the way their lives are and, and you know, the circumstances they, that they're in. So they're just looking for these outs. And uh, I think they should either increase their meditation, not their medication, their mm -hmm. meditation, um, and then from there, experiment with some psychedelics. But again, the meditation practice, like I can, I can meditate for a week straight, and I may experience on one of those occasions, like the similar type of feeling I would get from psilocybin mushrooms, like mm -hmm. that, that heart opening experience. Uh, so I tend to do a meditation in the mornings. I'll go down into my shower. I do it on like, I have a big stone shower. So I do it head down and I'll do uh, affirmations, mantras. I'll try the, the experiencing death, um, all sorts of different stuff. I, I'll even try one hour. I'll try and uh, encounter my, my high, I don't like higher self, my higher self. Mm -hmm. um, just so I can come to know and understand that, that energy. And when I've done that, I've found that like all my flesh and bones gets torn away, like a Thanos style just evaporates and all that's left is that heart. So, uh, you know, I can get to that state through meditating. It just takes, like, sometimes I won't even get there for a week. But if you try some mushrooms, you'll get there, like, first session. So, um, yeah, you're basically just skipping the line. That's it. I got you. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, uh, before we wrap things up, because you are obviously into health and fitness, what is your favorite, absolute favorite exercise? Favorite exercise? It's the, oh, shoot. Type between three. Um, I'll make it a type between. Yeah, if you want, if you want to give three bonus, go for it. Okay, so I love pull-ups, but that's not my first favorite. I do love pull-ups though. It's a tie between the sumo deadlift and the penlay row. Those are like my 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 two favorite absolute exercises right there. Um, mm -hmm. I really like the sumo deadlift just because of the like the hip engagement, all of the muscles that are utilized. Um, and it's actually a very athletic movement for, for athletes that, that like the sumo stance and utilizing the hips, cause you can't just pull the bar with your back. You have to use your hips. And if you don't use your hips on a heavy sumo, you're going to fail the lift. So it's a very, just like, it's a very good athletic movement, the sumo deadlift. Um, and then the penlay row, just because I just really have loved that movement for years. It, it's, it's, it's awesome. So, um, those two, and then pull-ups. I love, I love body weight pull-ups or weighted pull-ups. Um, I want to be able to just do pull-ups until I'm a 95-year-old man doing pull-ups on a door handle, like or you know the, the top of door thing. I, I I really like that movement. So those are the three. I like squats and that stuff too, but it wouldn't be my absolute favorite. Very cool. Yeah, those are some solid movements. Yeah, I'd say yeah. sumo deadlifts out there for me as well. The pull-ups I think is a really like healthy movement to do yeah. push-ups, push-ups and pull-ups. I think they're underrated. Um, and just the variation you can do on the, the slow eccentric and concentric portions of the movement, it's, uh, can really do a lot of good just with those basic body weight, uh, type of movements. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. All right. Well, um, pretty much, uh, don't have any other questions for you right now, but did you have any closing thoughts for anyone who's listening, anything you wanted to uh, plug or anything you wanted to say before we hop off real quick? Um, yeah, whoever's listening to this podcast, please start getting outside. That's, that's really important. I'm not going to go deep into that right now, but just like, like Adam was saying, if you're working in an office and you're, you're stuck in there, do your best to get some sunlight in the morning, get some sunlight during the day. Um, it'll, you'll feel a lot better after a few days. Um, and then, I mean, real quick, you were mentioning the thing about masks. That was really interesting to me because with every podcast I get on, people are like, Ooh, who, who are you? Or what do you do? And I name these things that I, I do or whatever. But every time I say that, I'm like, wait, wait, that's like, 
Yeah, it's what you do. It's not who you are, right? It's, it's, it's not who I am, you know? Like, so I honestly still don't even know how to answer that question. Like, I, I really don't. Because if you were to ask me that, that's what I'd say. But that's not who I am. Mm. That's a total side thing. That's something that I'm just thinking about on the side. You know what? You're, you, are the, you are love. Unconditional love. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And you're an expression of that. And that's, uh-huh. it. that's why it all comes from the heart. And that's mm-hmm. like the, the deepest truth. So anyone that stay, uh, starts to steer away from that is only a delusion and confusion. So they always I have agree. to return back to that. And everything has to be filtered through that. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you. Maybe I should start saying that instead. But I feel like I have, to, I have a lot to learn in that realm. But um, so I yeah. want to mention something about the sunlight thing. You're going to find this other yeah. But I, I was uh, reading some studies that if you get sunlight exposure, UV exposure on your balls, that it can actually help with testosterone production. I did try this. I did try it. I tanned buck ass naked, balls out, getting them sun rays right on it. Sun exposure. I don't know if it works, but have you heard anything about that? <laughs> yeah, man. Like we have one of those Jew red light therapy things. Yes, yes, yeah. And um, we have like this. Uh-huh. I'll I'll just straight up, you know, get naked in front of it. I've been utilizing that. I've been using that for about five weeks now. And so what you're saying is that's why you lift so heavy because you uh, have to be on your balls directly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, steroids, yeah. Yeah. it's much safer than, you know, going outside and your, if your backyard is closed off, okay, get naked in the sun, but um, mine isn't. So I can't just be out there balls hanging, getting some sunlight. I yeah. could get the cops called on me, but like at this point, that that red light therapy thing. I'm gonna get an I'm gonna get another test done to see if it has had any benefits so far. But I have been feeling I don't know if it's placebo, but I've been feeling pretty damn good since using it. Andrew here uses it too, and we're just like, fuck, is this shit real? There's been a lot of research. It feels like it's working well. So I, I'm I don't know, but it's pretty damn great. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you should try and get your hands on one. You've been reading the studies, so you can see, yeah, like, yeah. it's hard to kind of refute. Like, no, I, I'll, I'll try anything outside of, like, sticking a needle in my ass, you know? Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I, I, I hope you give it a shot. I want to get your thoughts on it after you do that, the red light therapy stuff for a bit. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, if, you, if you're interested in, like, the stuff I do, um, Adam's probably going to put it in the description or whatever, but Instagram and YouTube is at Insima Yang. I won't bother spelling that out, but it's Sima Eang. Um, my website's breakthebar.com for coaching, and you can find me here as one of the co-hosts on the Mark Bell Power Project and also the very inconsistent podcast I do outside of this called We Don't Know Yet, WDKYET.com. Very cool. Thank you again for taking the time, and I will shoot you a message with all the links, everything once it's up. If anyone's listening, I hope you enjoyed this and hit up Ensema uh, with a DM or a message. Start to just flood his messages with random questions if you got them. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Ensema, thanks again. And I'll see you again, I'm sure, soon. And we'll chat soon. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Adam.